You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John Davids talks with Lynn Lester, Managing Director of Events at The Drum. Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today. So I know you have an insight to share about artificial intelligence, which is on everybody's mind. Why don't you tell us your take on AI? Wow, where do you even start? I mean, it's huge. It is, as you say, the, the massive big topic at the moment. But I think the way it's going, it's more going to be around the, you know, the artificial influencer and how marketers have to think about this technology in a very, very different way. So I was speaking to someone really senior actually in the industry a few weeks ago at an event just before Christmas. And we were talking about how marketing will, will really be focused to the AI as well as the consumer. So it's all about, I guess the big thing is for marketers to start understanding how does AI learn? Like where does the training information come from? Are they, is it scouting websites, articles, books? And if so, once you've identified where it's taking the info, how do you go on the radar and what do you do to make sure that you're never missed? Yeah, the, the training info is an interesting piece because people sort of rely on AI, let's say it's ChatGPT or Jasper. They look at these tools and they say, okay, here's, a, here's what I'm going to use it for. But the question of where is this source information or the training information actually coming from? And as you describe it, it's, it's an AI influencer. So do you think these days brands are relying too heavily on the information? They're, they're, they're assuming it's all correct and maybe it's not all so accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think at the moment it is a bit of, you know, finger in the sky because you don't really know where it's taking it from. So, so, for example, I run a podcast, Working Class to World Class, and I asked Chat GPT, tell me about Working Class to World Class podcast. And it basically pulled the content straight from my website and it recited it back to me exactly how I'd written it. So it never took it and put it in any other context. It just told me straight what it was. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's a really good description because I wrote it. <laughs> but you know, for, for CMOs, I think it's not about relying heavily on the information because bearing in mind, the information's got to be consumed in different ways. So people go direct to your site, people will read articles. But, but I think really the, the big challenge is working out the psyche of AI. And obviously as it evolves, it will start interpreting that information differently each time. So I think it's more of a, a watch and learn and move very, very fast. Yeah. A big question for you. How do you think AI in the near term, let's not talk 10 years, but in the next year or two, how do you think AI will be integrated for a brand? Let's say for a blue chip Fortune 500 brand. Do you think they're going to be using it for daily tasks? Well, you know, we're sort of using it a bit just now, aren't we, in terms of like the chat functions on sites and, and the, you know, the whole customer journey. So I think to sort of go back a step, when any brand uses any AI, it has to be part of the moment of truth of that brand. So however your AI experience behaves will inform how people think about you as a business. So for example, the bank, you know, a few months ago, I, I wanted to ask quite a specific question that I knew the AI could not answer. So I please just let me speak to someone and it eventually knew when to give up because it knew it couldn't help me. So I think brands will be using it probably initially as a customer service. But I think where brands need to think about it is the third parties. So the other platforms that are informative stations for consumers. So, yeah, I think it will be used. But I think, you know, maybe, you know, you see how chat GPT has sort of come on in a very short space of time, although we've not seen what's going on behind the scenes. But that's going to accelerate really, really quickly. 
So I think brands have, have got a real opportunity, but it is a bit of a tough job ahead to work out how they integrate it. Now, actually, the other thing is, it's really important not to jump in the bandwagon if you don't know how to do it right, because you're almost better not having it than, than giving people a bad experience. Of course. And what about what's your take as someone who sits on the leadership team at a media company at a publication? I know you sit on the on the event side and there's also the the content side, the you know, the editorial side. How do you think about using it or do you think at all about using it in, in your role? That's a really good question because actually we're having a meeting on it next week. So I don't have anything to reveal to say, but it's gonna disrupt our market, every market. And I think for anyone to sort of put their head in the sand to assume it's not going to affect them, I think it's a little bit naive. So yeah, I mean, from a content perspective, you know, I got it to write, for example, a letter to see what, how it would come out. So some email I got it to write and it just wasn't in our tone. It didn't really work very well. I mean, the, the basis was there, but you have to still have human interaction. So yeah, I mean, it was interesting, you know, we're talking about BuzzFeed and them using it for their listicles and things like that. But I think you just have to be careful. You don't rely too much on the AI. You have to make sure that you vet it from a human perspective as well and make sure it does make sense. So, yeah, the jury's out now, but we are looking at it and it's certainly going to be forming part of our content when I put the agendas together for throughout the year. Of course, yeah. Let's hear your second insight. I know you got a long list there. Oh, I get this. I know. I was like, I don't think we've got enough time for this. So... <laughs> I know we spoke about brand versus demand in the B2B sector, but before we come to that, the other thing I want to talk about is we talk about the artificial influencer, but what about the flip side? You've got influencers as they are. Now, one thing that was really important, it's not a secret, but but it's a sort of important stat. I was over in Singapore for TikTok. I was hosting an event for them, and it was all around the opportunity of shoppertainment and how by 2025, it's going to be a one trillion opportunity. And I thought, wow, I mean, that's, I don't know if brands actually realize that. Now, TikTok are doing a great job in APAC to tell people about it. But I do think it's something that for brands, you probably ought to keep an eye on. Shoppertainment, is that what you said? Yes, I did. Have you heard the term? I understand what it means, but I've never actually heard that term. So how, how do you define shoppertainment? Yeah, so I guess it's around, I mean, it's, it's back to basics, really. It's how you can entertain and engage your consumer. But there's purchasing opportunities within that journey so you know yeah you could talk about cooking so you're you're cooking a recipe but people might could maybe buy a special ingredient and they go through and buy it there and then but the whole campaign is not around pitching it's about subconscious I guess subliminal marketing but it's huge I mean and that's where influencers are you know thinking about how they collab with brands how they collab with each other you know, and, and then there's, you sort of go down another rabbit hole of the influencer audience. But yeah, shoppertainment is, is huge in Asia. And I think it will be another region. I have no, no, no doubt about that. An old term from maybe seven, eight years ago, I was always hearing about content meets commerce. So the idea that you would create these publications and then you would have not, you know, buying opportunities throughout. And, and we've seen lots of companies do this. Basically, every big from the BuzzFeed to, to the vices of the world They've always tried to create content and commerce. I guess shoppertainment is a different version of that. But I mean, it's interesting. I suppose every shopping experience has a certain amount of entertainment. This is a, a bit more intentional though. 100% intentional. Yeah, it could be makeup tutorials. It could be just things that the everyday person loves to do and it's not contrived. And I think that's where influencers are going. You know, we're starting to see a lot more people be get rid of the filters. They become more real. They show more of them. And I think actually moving forward, 
that's just what the public want. And I think the days are sort of starting to pass where you've got filtered models and kids feel inferior. And I think brands are really picking up in this and, and doing something about it because it's not really good for social good either. So, yeah, I just think it's like get normal. And I think after the pandemic, people have started being a bit more of them, bringing them home their whole selves as opposed to this pretend character. Absolutely. Do you have a take on influencer marketing? Has that been something in, in your realm over the last decade or so? Yeah, I've been working with loads of partners who who trade in this and lots of brands also use it. And I think a lot of it comes down to the, of course, it's the micro and the macro audiences. So, you know, I think the niche audiences are still going to be super important. So it's not necessarily about your wide reach. It's about the people that really, really care and it's tapping into those audiences. So I think influencers are still going to be on the rise. I think it's inevitable. But what, what you are seeing now is a lot of influencers are becoming entrepreneurs. So they are creating their own lines. and But there's still an opportunity for brands to then collaborate. But it does change the dynamic slightly because the, the influencer does become even more in control of the content and everything else. So, so it'll be interesting to see that shift and also the transparency of pay, you know, how our influencers pay. Because I think some brands, you know, do take them for a ride and some brands are very generous. So I think there will be a bit more of a reset in terms of how people get paid and what certain influencers are worth versus others. Yeah. Two big influencer trends. You hit on both of them there. The one is the influencer becoming the entrepreneur because they realize they've already built this powerful community and now they can just layer a product on top, which some do well and some don't do well, but, yeah. but it's, it's an opportunity. And the other one is... You know, we used to use the term micro influencer a lot, macro, micro influencer. Really, there's a movement towards influencer niches. And yeah. so a micro influencer is just someone who's really figured out their niche. And in many cases, the micro influencers have better business opportunities because they have such a tight and valuable niche. And so niching isn't necessarily a bad thing, it can be a very powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always it's not about the numbers at the end of the day. It's about the engagement. You know, you can do a digital campaign and get loads of click-throughs. But what does that mean if people don't purchase or do something with it? So, yeah, you're totally right. It's a niche within a niche. And that's where brands have to be mindful that it's not always about math. Although I do think there is a place for the brand <laughs> marketing as well. So I don't think you can have one without the other either. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. Okay, I'm loving your takes. Let's do another. Yeah, well, the other good thing is so if we sort of dip back to AI a little bit, but in a different context, I think there's going to be, you're going to see a lot of work around particularly AI and technology used for good. So I, I do have one example. Actually, I'd love to share it with you and I would love people to, to check it out if you haven't seen it. So the company Revive, they basically worked with an organization called Over the Bridge. So I don't know if you've heard of this campaign. No. And it was called The Lost Tapes of the 27 Club. And basically, the whole premise of this campaign was to raise awareness of mental health within the music industry. So what they, they did was they looked at the greats, the good and the greats that had died from suicide by the age of 27. So you had Amy Winehouse, Hendrix, people like that. And so this AI basically studied their music and it was able to generate music that they would be playing today if they were still alive. 
Wow. So it's a really powerful campaign and that basically ran on Spotify, iTunes Music. They also had their own website. But when we went on to that, you then got more detail about, you know, the, the real issues facing people. So, and I just thought it was a really, really smart use of AI for good. And I'm starting to see that through lots of different sort of entries that are using technology for good. Can you give me the, the name of that company again? You said it was Revive? Yeah, so Revive did it with Over the Bridge and the campaign was called, you probably find it easier doing this, the campaign was called The Lost Tapes of the 27 Club. Lost Tapes of the 27 Club. Wow. That's so cool. What, what an interesting way to use AI to, to revive, literally revive people's music oh. and say, here's what, what they would sound like today. Well, absolutely. I mean, there was another one, if you want to take it even a stage further, much further, there was a campaign called Back Up Ukraine where people in the public were given devices. I think it was on their no, it was on their phones. And there was a piece of technology where they could go around and take visuals and videos of landmarks, major landmarks in Ukraine. And the idea was if sadly they were destroyed during the war, then they would have a log of them where they could almost recreate them again. Mm. And it was just such a beautiful I mean, that's like a a major level of technology and engagement with, you know, a real world problem. But, but yeah. again, that was a really good one. You know, just, and I think where I sit at the drum, I'm just so privy to a lot of this work. And it's, it feels a privilege, actually, to see what's going on in the world. Well, absolutely. And I'm just looking at this, uh, at the lost tapes of the 27 Club here. Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, bringing their, their music back. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting use case of AI. This is one example. The idea of being able to see things that don't exist or that haven't existed and for AI to bring those to life. Because a lot of the use cases we talk about are really just AI making things that we do easier or this thing that we've done in the past that costs money, now it's free, for example. Yeah. But to be able to create something that the human imagination maybe could conceive of but is not going to bring into real life, that is a really magical use case. Yeah, it's definitely really powerful. But yeah, so yeah, you should check. Hopefully people tuning in will check that out as well because it's brilliant. Yeah. I think we've got time for one or two more. Let's, uh, let's keep going okay. here. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. It's like a conveyor belt. It's really good. So I guess the other one that we chatted about before we went live was around the brand versus demand campaign sort yeah. of chat. So I run a festival called B2B World Fest, which is all about basically what's happening in the B2B landscape. And the big topic last year was a brand versus demand challenge. So, you know, to explain, I'm sure everybody knows what it means, but not to assume you do, should be, particularly in B2B, should B2B be all about promoting the brand as a whole to the market without the sales call to action necessarily, or you may or may not have it. And then the other one is around, should you begin after the leads? You know, you, you want you want the leads, the prospects, you, it's all about selling. And really the, the sort of, I guess, the, the big noise in the room for everyone was that brand was so important. And I think given the situation that we're all in at the moment with the economy, it would be really dangerous for brands to take their eye off the ball in that respect. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And I'm just checking out B2B World Fest here. So in the B2B world, which is where we play pretty heavily at Influicity, what we say is B2B and B2C, the real distinction, in our opinion, the real distinction between the two are that in B2C, the consumer is always in market to buy. And in B2B, the buying windows are very, very small. It might be a month, a year, or a month every two years that your prospect is considering a new piece of software or a new piece of machinery. 
And so in those cases, brand is actually really important because you need to be top of mind at the very moment where that window opens up. So you're saying that is the general consensus that, that B2B marketers are investing more in brand or are they, are they thinking more about demand? Or I should say like uh, you know, a, a, a direct response type of thing. Yeah, I think the, certainly the CMOs are pushing for more budget to be released for brands. I mean, you can't ignore demand or you have no business <laughs> now. So people need to do, I think you need to do both. They're not mutually exclusive. But yeah, I mean, that was a big talk. But, but the only thing is, are they willing to hold the nerve given the state of the economy right now? I, I would suggest you should if you can afford to do it. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's a minefield out there. And it's all about, I think you touched on a really good point. It's about engaging people at the out with the normal buying cycle because you can't be laser focused and get them necessarily at the right time, the right place. And I guess it all comes back to about the brands being human. And, you know, you've probably heard the term, it's not B2B or B2C, it's human to human. And so it's yeah. really taking all of that in. Um, and actually that might, if you've got a minute, that might lead us nicely on to the final insight that I have for you. Please. So that is around, and I guess this is B2B or B2C, is around the power of emotion in advertising, particularly humour. So, you know, there's been lots of studies that showcase that if brands use humour to inject a campaign and bring it to life, it will resonate much deeper with the consumer. So there's lots of work that I've seen in both camps. I mean, I know B2B and B2C, but I don't know if you've seen, and this is a consumer campaign with BA. Have you seen the, re- the recent, I don't know if, if you see, because where are you based? V8? Oh, so BA. That's my Oh, BA, BA, sorry. BA, uh, yes, yeah, of So they basically created a campaign and it was called, it, it was a call to the public to take your holidays dead seriously. And it's all around, you know, when you go out the office, you really have to switch off because people are becoming unwell when they're working right. continuously. So they did this really fun ad where it's a work calling and the lady answers the phone and she's like, no, I said no. And it's just, it's just really funny, but it's, it's in the right context. So it's using humor at the right moment. You know, it's not using it out of context where it doesn't make sense, but it's just a brilliant, it gets, it gets tons of coverage actually. Yeah. The idea of using... I mean, it's funny because we talk about human to human and emotion and humor. And for certain brands, they do it very well. And other brands, I think, maybe stay away from it. What's your take on... Is it more of a... Are there certain industries or certain types of marketing where you should be thinking more about human emotion versus appealing to the logical side of people? Or do you think every brand should, should be thinking about both? I mean, I think you have to strip it back and remember that we're all people. So you might be selling to corporations, but you're selling to a person that has a family, that has a troubles, that has everything. We've all got that in common, no matter how senior you are or not. So I think it depends on your type of brand. But, you know, even software companies, I've seen some stuff entered into our B2B awards where, you know, it's about technology and it's about people frazzling their brains and stuff. And, you know, it's fun. It's really, really funny. But it gets the point home. So I guess to answer your question, I think you obviously have to be sensitive to situations because it can land you in hot water if you get it wrong, which maybe is why some brands are staying clear because that's quite a dangerous place to be. Look at Pepsi and people like that that have got it wrong a few times. So, yeah, I, I think you need to think of both. But I don't think you have to be overly guarded because as long as you're doing something that's not offensive... Um, everybody has, or we hope most people have, a sense of humor. (laughs) 
We hope. We hope. <laughs> we hope and pray. <laughs> yeah. Lynn, this was so, so insightful. Thank you so much for sharing your time today. No problem at all. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at influicity.com.